You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. When you try to fill the <laughs> shoes of the almighty Brandon Jaggers, that's like putting on a pair of 15-size shoes when you only wear 10s. Brandon Jaggers. Why, why does this Brandon Jaggers name sound familiar? Is, does he work janitorial over on the front side? <laughs> And me, CC brought us. But, but what does he actually do? I mean, you know, what is he, other than, you know, being a ho- one of the hosts on your show? I'm not really sure. Hi, everybody. Welcome to. Auxiliary Gate Podcast number 127. I'm CC Broadus, joined by somebody that's fresh out of the transfer portal, and that would be Alan Schneider. Uh, yeah, how you doing? Um, transfer portal, um, that's going pretty well, right? At what point does college sports implode upon itself, right? Is, does that happen? I mean, I know it's, it just gets bigger and bigger, but at what point is it just – there's a 1,000 people in the transfer portal. Is that what I heard today? Really? Right? That many? Uh, I think what my brother told me. I mean, who knows? I mean, as, as this thing's been going for 35 seconds, there might be another 35 in there. So, I mean. Uh, apparently, there's a lot of money going around in college sports. Yeah, well, it is those faces. It's, it's been – these guys should have been paid a long time ago. But now that they are getting paid, you know, they're not taking money away from the people at the top, right? People at the top still going to make money, so. Uh, it, I just, you know, I think it's def- definitively hurt college basketball. I know my interest levels drop precipitously and at college football at some point, it's got to, it's got to implode upon itself. But, you know, you can give NIL money. Now you can actually out of your paycheck, out of your bank account, you can donate NIL money to universities to, to, to help pay the players. Would you ever do that? Because I'll tell you right now, I don't care how much money I have. I'm never doing that. Well, I don't Nothing against much. the players. Nothing I against players. It's not doing that. I don't have that much disposable income, but yeah, if if I did, I would probably not. No, I, if if I had a hundred million dollars, I'm not giving them. I mean, then you're still gonna. They still want you to donate more money, and they still want you to pay to go get in. And I think at UK, you can't go buy can't go buy beer at the game, which I'm I'm fine with that. But I'm not giving any nil money. It's insanity. I would never do that. But anyway, well here's, here's a as college sports gets top heavy. Here's a question I got. For you, and we'll get to racing here in a minute. Yeah, in a minute. Who cares? But uh, all right. So let's say the SEC swells to twenty-four teams, and you're a Kentucky fan. What if what if your team gets stuck in a rut, and you're floating somewhere between at the end of the year, you're between seventeenth and twentieth out of twenty-four right. teams for over like a five to seven year span. Okay. That's how, how how's that going to set with you? Yeah, exactly. And it's like you 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 go to work and you you give your money and, and then you don't perform, right? I mean, there's no guarantees of that stuff. I agree. I mean, I mean, boosters are doing it already, giving millions and millions of dollars, right? And then, you know, how much those Texas A and M boosters give down there, and they're not getting a bang for their buck. Uh, I agree. Yeah, it's like I I just think it, it's it's getting a little too top heavy. I think okay. instead of going to bigger conferences, I would prefer to go to smaller conferences. If my team is is one of eight teams in a league, that means I've got a better shot of actually winning the league. You yes. get in the SEC, you look at the old misses and the Vanderbilts and the 
the Mississippi states of the world. I mean, it would take – that's a once-out-of-25-year proposition probably for those teams to ever even have a look at winning a, an SEC title. I, I, well, that, that, that le- right. It's going to lead to a lot of apathy, I think. Oh, well, because that's why college – I think there's a lot of apathy in college basketball. It, it describes my feelings on college basketball perfectly. But we can go back to – it's like, you know, the SEC is a good example currently – Kentucky has worked hard to climb up the rungs of the of a fourteen rung ladder, and they've managed to somehow float where somewhere between fifth and the fifth and the eighth rung, right? And they work hard to get there. And it's been it's been a struggle, as everyone knows. Now this this, this ladder is going to with twenty four rungs on it, you know, and they're going to work hard to be what twelfth, fourteenth, tenth, you know, if they're lucky. Uh, so yeah, you're exactly right. I couldn't agree more. And, and then we go back to Louisville basketball, right? Right now, look, people are probably donate money. That Louisville basketball's just—I mean—they're winless, and it's not changing anytime soon. I mean, can you imagine what the, those people have paid for those tickets? And you know, I mean, well, that's that's a conundrum within an enigma. Yeah, and that uh, you, you think—I mean, there's going to be a little bit of groundswell to fire Kenny Payne after year one, especially if he, I mean, this team literally looks like it may go two and 29, which is unheard of in these parts. You may if be generous. I know that people are pointing that Florida A&M game, but I mean, Florida A&M is no. actually ahead of them in the net rankings. Not that that means anything, but I mean, winless is possible. I hate to say it because I, mean, I don't get into that rivalry stuff, but it is a possibility. You can't fire somebody after one year. I wouldn't think unless they've done something immoral, but You've got to fill seats at some point. I mean, that's that's quite yeah. a that's an expensive uh, outfit you got down there on, on the river, the Yum Center. I mean, that, you've got to you got to fill those seats at some point. You've got to sell concessions. There's nobody going to go to these games. There's just no yeah. reason to go. There was no one no one there the other day. I actually turned on the Miami game. There was no one there, and then they don't get the concerts down there like they used to either. I mean, it's bleeding money down there. Right. So I yeah. hope they do get it turned around. I'm not one of these robbery guys. I used to be. It's lunacy. I hope they do well. I hope Kenny Payne does well, but my God, it is. It, it's for people that don't know. They're zero and eight, zero and nine, and they are not even competitive. They are. They've been coming within ten points of the point spread, if I'm not mistaken, so far this year. Is that correct? Is that right? They, well, they've never they've never covered a spread yet. Oh, they've never been within ten points of a spread or nine points, something like that. That's that's amazing in, in college yeah. basketball. But yeah. oh well. Anyway, that's enough of that stuff. Yeah, so let me tell you, I uh, I've got these two kittens, and uh, I had them in the house earlier. They stay outside, but I, I, I'm trying to train them. And um, they uh, they came in, and and one of them actually used the box. It was I was proud of her. She she left a, a gift. She made a deposit in the box. <laughs> Pretty cool. The other the other male cat goes over, gets into the box. And starts playing with with the other cat's turd, yeah, and actually fl- flips the turd out of the box. So, oh, oh boy, we, we take one step forward and two steps backwards in this house. Well, just like this podcast apparently just did, <laughs> right, right. So, <laughs> I don't know anything about cats. Uh, the, in Bloomfield, Kentucky, the struggle is real. Apparently so. Apparently yeah. so. Um, that's a great story. That's, I, I, my my hats off to your cats. And it's, uh, by the way, Brandon Jaggers is feeling a bit under the weather. We uh, hope he's uh, doing better. He's, I mean, I know he's been in here a while, but we still hope he feels okay. He's 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 a, he's a little sick right now, isn't he? Is he sick or is it just high maintenance? 
Uh, I guess it could be a combination. Of he strikes two, right? me. He's really high maintenance, I think. Yeah, his wife's in for his wife's in for a struggle the next one. Yeah, years, I think yeah. But in the meantime, we hope he feels better, right? Well, yeah, obviously, obviously. I mean, you can't go get a mani pedi, right? If you got a hundred and two degree temperature, right? I mean, we we can say whatever we want to about him. I mean, he's yeah, he he's not listening. Would you ever do a mani pedi? I can tell you right now, I never. No, I don't want anybody touching my toenails. No, exactly. That's like. Yeah, if it, not there's anything wrong with that, but it's not my thing, right? No, I, don't that, want, I don't want people touching my eyeballs or my toenails. Okay. Would you? Never mind. I've had LASIK, so they've been to my eyeballs before. <laughs> Would you get a Brazilian wax? I used to say I haven't. You know, let me check. I forgot. I, I'm too damn hairy. I'm too damn hairy. Yeah, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> well, I didn't even know about your cat, so let's get on some horse racing stuff. Turfway opened on Wednesday. That's what I hear. You know what? I did not get to spend as much time with Turfway as I ordinarily do. You know, as everyone knows, I look forward to it. I like it, but I was, uh, I had some work obligations last week and I was busy. So I might, I may have seen seven races total, may eight races total. I mean, I kept trying to keep up with it the best I could, but what are your thoughts, uh, so far? Cause I had a couple. Well, yeah. Of course, opening night, it, it was too formful. There was a lot of favorites. I think seven of the eight races maybe were all favorites. Uh, which, thought, which plus the mythology, which with, with that goes on about the mythology about Turfway being random and no favorites. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, we're going to get into the, to the some of the bad races. I mean, the bad races are going to yield wacky results soon. Yes. Know yeah. where the chaos is. It's your job as a horse player to figure out where chaos can come from, right? Yeah, That's, I mean, there, there's going to be some races where you just can't, you won't be able to find the horse you like, or the, the horse that wins. I, I mean, so it's, it's, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's. I, I wish the only thing I don't like so far, I haven't been there. That's another story. We'll get there at some point this year or next year. But the only thing I don't like, I wish they did race on Saturday night instead of the racing uh, Saturday afternoon. Like the first post, like one o'clock, and they run eight races. I, I prefer night racing on Saturdays, just because you know you're doing something during the day. You get home. There's no there's no tracks at night, unless you mm-hmm. want to play Charlestown or Ugh, you know, no, yeah, mm-hmm. Delta Downs. Those, those tracks aren't no. for me. So, well, I mean, maybe there maybe there is plans to do it. I don't know what their schedule is. They may be planning to do that after the new year. I, I honestly do not know. I think what the race that I've seen so far is a couple of things that have struck me is, uh, well, again, Gerardo Corrales. I mean, everybody knows this, but even though you know it, it's not like the old Pat Day where his median win price was like 320. I did some rudimentary math uh, so far, and I think I think Corrales has won, I want to say 11 races. I may be wrong in four days. Maybe it's more than that. But I know um, he's winning a 35% strike rate right now. And if you bet two dollars on every horse that he's uh, that he's won on, you'd have I think it's like three dollars and fifty cents. So you'd be up like seventy five percent. So when Corrales wins, he still pays a bunch of money. But uh, that said, I mean he'll still win and pay fifteen, eighteen dollars and stuff. It, it's amazing. The guy knows the racetrack. He's not the only one. Guys like Joseph Ramos, Chris Landeros, Emmanuel Escavel. There's a lot of solid riders out there who know the know. But uh, obviously, at the top of the heap is Kraus. And my man Vincent Shamino is starting to get the feel of it. I believe he'll be right up there with him for too long. And, yeah, I, uh, it felt like to me, Shamino is probably playing this track as if it were a turf course. And, and he'll learn, and he's learning. There, there are no 
like there's there's no late rallies. There's very few late rallies within the final furlong. I mean, you almost have to be within. It seems like you have to be within one, two, three links at the top of the stretch. Once he figures that out, I think he'll be. Once they they'll put him on some live shots. I, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to Paolo Lobo striking with some first timers. I mean, we could go uh, on with the guys that do well there. Uh, Gennaro Garcia. I mean, like I said, Paolo Lobo. Uh, guys are just escaping my. Uh, of course, Wesley Ward and Mike Maker, but there's the the lesser guys, the Doug Daners and stuff like that, the, the world who who do real well there, and and such. And it's just a matter of knowing the racetrack. And uh, I say it all the time, but you know, learn how to play vertically. I mean, not everything's a horizontal wager. I know people have a hard time with that, but learn how to play vertically. There's, I mean, I'll take a four thousand dollars super just easy. I'll take a four thousand dollars pick five, right? So, um, I wouldn't mention that. I did, I did, I did some other rudimentary math. The average win price is thirteen dollars so far, a little over thirteen dollars. Again, that shoots shoots the whole random thing to the curb in my mind. That's what you want. I mean, these are full fields, right? So. You're, it's, you're going to get some prices, but they're mid-range prices. I think the longest shot so far has only been 20 to 1. You find that anywhere. I would almost argue at times I don't think it's big enough prices. But uh, I'm a fan, and I think the racing is good, and I think it's going to be uh, – you just got to be patient. You just got to be patient. Just like anything else, and you just be disciplined and pay attention, wait your spots, and bet Gerardo Corrales, right? That's the first thing you do, I think, at every card is you got to yes, circle. Yes, I, I would agree circle. with that. You got to know where where he is. You got to, you got to know where Corrales rides every single, and then you, you know, work around that. I noticed there's a horse. I, I he's a he's one of the favorites tomorrow. And I I just glanced at tomorrow's card. It, it might have been a Brad Cox runner. I, I don't recall, but I do think he's the one to beat. But then you go, then you look. There's another Gerardo Corrales in the race that you, that you don't like as much, but he's like he's a, a solid second or third choice, you know. Just using him, if he beats that favorite, everybody's going to use. Even though it's Corrales, it's going to offset your your horizontals tremendously. And he may win it four to one. You don't really like him, but it just blows up your horizontal and stuff. So, you know, use these guys uh, in a shrewd basis. You never know what you can come up with. Okay. Enough banter. Let's get to was our Was that special. banter? That was just yeah, – we, just... Well, it was – It was On your part, it was banter. More me, it was BS. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, here's our guest. You know, our guest this evening uh, may be unfamiliar to those of you who may be casual fans of the sport or, or just, uh, you know, reading uh, the racing program. But uh, our guest is no stranger to this game. In fact, she's built up quite a resume working for the likes of uh, multiple Breeders' Cup winner Wayne Catalano and and exercising superstars like Aloha West in the morning. Uh, this summer, she decided to branch out on her own with a public stable. Not long after, she made her way to the winter circle with Laura's Charm in Horseshoe, Indianapolis. She'll be stabled locally this winter, and the bulk of her stable will likely race at Turfway. So she's one to keep an eye on. And we're talking about none other than Lacey Pierce. Lacey, how are you doing? I am well. How are you all? Very, very well. Congratulations on, on a good start to your, uh, your, uh, your new stint as a, as a horsewoman. And, uh, uh, Lacey, where are you stabled? I'm at trackside right now. You're trackside. How, how many head do you train right now? I have seven in the barn right now and yes. several babies on the way this spring. So you've got some two year olds coming. That's good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Uh, when will they arrive? 
I'm hoping the end of February because they're getting they're getting legged up right now, and then they'll go to Skylight to a girl that kind of gets my horses ready for me, you know, gets them coming out of the gate, gets them started, and then I'll be getting those after she does. So probably the end of February. So just random question here: What when you get a a two year old at the end of February? How long does it take to get a an average horse to the races? That is a, there is so many ifs in that question. Um, it just really depends, um, depends on the horse, how fast it's maturing for me. Um, usually when I get them from her, you know, they're, they're not too far off. I can probably gallop them for a few weeks and go ahead and start breezing the three eights. And as long as all goes as it hopefully should, um, you know, between 90 days, 120 days, something like that. I got you. So. Now, being in Louisville, you're going to race most of your stock at Turfway, but uh, you've already got a horse in on opening day at Oaklawn with Robo Man, and it's a horse yeah. we kind of know really well. Uh, just that, how do you? Uh, that, that's a long trip. I made it this spring uh, from where I live. It was about eight hours for me. Uh, do you ship the horse the day before? How, how do you get the horse down there first? I'm actually shipping him about three days before. I'm trying to make it four because I'd like for him to get down there, you know, get around the track a couple of days, you know, be able to relax, you know, kind of get in the groove and the rhythm of just every day instead of a fresh move. He'll be down down there for a few days, can relax, get some good night's rest and, you know, just kind of run out of the stall he's in. But I'm going to ship him down to uh, Dallas Stewart and his assistant's going to take care of him for me until I can make it down there on Friday. Um, and the problem is, is I have another horse running at Turfway on the same day. Uh, that he's going to run. So uh, I'll be kind of split that day, but I will be going to, to uh, Oakland with Robo. Okay. So how how big of a deal is it? That, like I said, that's a long drive for me. Yeah. Now, the horse doesn't have to drive, but he's got to stand in, in a trailer that, that all the way down. So, I mean, that, does he have to decompress when he gets off the off the van? Or, or what, you know, is, is there anything special you have to do when he gets to the track? With him, he is very, very laid back. He's a very easy horse to settle, um, and that's why with him, I, w- I don't mind shipping with him because he's just such an easy horse to kind of settle down. Um, <clears throat> I have a few others that are not quite like that, but he is happens to be one that, if you didn't know any better, uh, you'd think he's a pony. He he just he's just such such a chill horse. He'll get out of the stall or get out of the trailer, go in the stall, roll for a little bit, get up. Start munching on hay. He doesn't get excited about much. So with him, it's it's pretty easy for for shipping. As long as I go a few days ahead of time, where he can kind of recover from the van ride, you know, he's he's usually pretty good. That sounds like Alan on a Sunday morning. <laughs> hey there, hey! I was letting y'all talk for a little bit. <laughs> All right, so uh, Lacey, give us your background. Uh, let's 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 start at the very beginning. What uh, what where are you from, and what caused you to get into the to the racing game? Well, I am from Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Um, I actually uh, broke and trained uh, rodeo horses. I did barrel racing, pole bending, things like that, and used to manage quarter horse farms uh, down in this area. And I got into horse racing when someone brought me a two-year-old thoroughbred filly to train to run barrels. And she had no turn. I mean, she's just a just really tall, leggy thoroughbred. And I kept telling the owner, I said, maybe this horse belongs on the racetrack. And I kept telling him, and he said, I don't know anything about the racetrack. He said, I just do the barrel horses. He said, can you teach her to do anything? He said, and then we'll find a trainer. I'm like, 
uh, I don't know anything about racehorses. And I was, I was probably 19. And I was like, I said, you know what? I think, I think I want to learn just so that, you know, I can kind of teach this horse something. And my plan was to teach it just to go forward, just to, you know, do something and then just send it off and have nothing more to do with it. And it's one of those things when you learn a little bit, you want to learn a little bit more and then a little bit more. And then once it sinks its claws into you, it's got you. So the barrel racing just kind of faded out and I kind of transitioned into the thoroughbreds and I actually went to Glenwood Training Center. I think it was, oh Lord, uh, 2001 maybe. And I walked right up to a trainer named Jimmy Durbin and I told him, I want to gallop your racehorses. And he looked at me and said, have you ever galloped a racehorse? I said, no, but I know how to ride a horse. I can ride. And he hands me a pitchfork and said, we'll start here. So <laughs> he immediately made me a groom um, and not even a groom. He wouldn't even let me groom the horses yet. I could just clean the stalls. And slowly but surely, I realized I knew absolutely nothing about horses. <laughs> like everything you learn with rodeo and everything you learn with the thoroughbreds is complete night and day difference. It's just it was shocking to me. And. I got my first uh, uh, opportunity to ride when one of the other riders got stung by a bee with his in his helmet, and they put me on his horse. And you know, I was still a little kind of an arrogant idiot. And I get on this horse, and Eric, uh, one of the guys that was teaching me how to gallop, he gets on and he goes, "Here, I'll show you what to do." I said, "I know how to ride." He said, "Take the cross." I said, "What's the cross?" <laughs> <laughs> and he started laughing and he said, this is about to be fun. And that horse run off about four miles with me that day. And I will never forget how loud I was screaming bloody murder help. And yeah. I, I come off that horse. I looked at him. I said, okay. And at that moment I knew I needed to shut up, swallow my pride and learn something. And from that moment on, I just learned to be a sponge. I just took in everything that was, you know, taught to me. So, and then I took everything I knew at the farm and I went to Churchill, and I got a job with uh, James Chapman Sr., and then for just a few months, and then I ended up kind of bouncing around freelancing, just trying to, and I was awful. I still didn't have any idea what I was doing, and Bob Holthus took me under his wing, and huh? that man, I mean, he taught me, and I mean, just, he he was everything. Like, I just, I worshiped the man that that girl walked on. He He just... He was amazing, and um, I worked for him for two years. He's the one that first took me to Oakland, and, you know, he was doing really good. That's back when he had Lawyer Ron, mm -hmm. and uh, once I left him, I, you know, kind of helped uh, Blackie Huffman for a little bit, and then I rode for McPeak for a little bit, and then, you know, kind of, you know how it is. You just kind of bounce around a little bit. Uh, people move. People do different things, and I ended up one of the people that I wanted to work for so bad just because I admired him so much was Neil Howard. I always remember seeing him on Blackie on his pony and he was just such a classy man. He was very quiet. He was very reserved. And every single morning he always made a point to say good morning. And I was always like, I was mesmerized. I was like, he is such an amazing trainer. And I just, I mean, the horses looked amazing. He was always amazing, very respectful. And one one of my stints of going out on my own, I ended up at fairgrounds and uh, was stabled next to Neil and kept trying to um, on purpose. I like, kept trying to strike up conversations. And Neil is such a, a classy man. If you talk to him, he's going to talk right back to you. It doesn't matter who you are. 
and he was talking to me and we started talking and um when we got back to Kentucky I asked him if he ever needed any help to let me know and a few months later he called me and asked me if I would want to come work for him and of course I jumped at that opportunity um so I worked for him for I think off and on five years uh, I never traveled to New Orleans with them um and then once I left him, I went to Catalano um, and was with him for four years. And, you know, once that once that kind of came to an end with that, because he, he went low on horses, um, I didn't want to travel for the winter with him. And, you know, I, we just kind of parted ways very peacefully, very, you know, we stayed very cordial with each other. Um, so and then kind of went out on my own. So that's that's uh, in a nutshell. This is off the wall question again. Uh, when you you're talking about your first uh, try riding a horse, did do you have to work out or exercise yourself to be able to, to to ride horses in the morning? Well, you know, at that moment, I didn't think you did until I rode that horse, and <laughs> then I go. realized, uh, yes, absolutely. Because well, and I will say, working out and getting yourself in shape is one thing, but there's absolutely nothing that works your muscles like getting on a horse. So basically. To be fit and in shape is good, but you can still get on a horse and be the fittest person in the world, and it just uses different muscles. So, yeah, I, I learned that it was much better to be fit uh, when you when you're galloping horses. Um, but like I said, it's just you just use different muscles. So basically, just getting on every day, and you know, it's a four hour workout when you're on horses because you never get on one that doesn't use every muscle in your body. So. Um, yeah, like I said, my first my first one, I was there wasn't a fit bone in my body, but except for my pride, that that was pretty fit. Um, that was about it. So, do you get on your own horses now? Um, occasionally, I try to. I, when I had my accident, I had an accident two years ago um, on Aloha West, uh, and it kind of it left the concussion kind of left my equilibrium kind of damaged. Um, and my hearing and one of my eyes has a little bit of a laziness to it, which completely ruins your balance. So I'll get on a couple of them. I get on Roboman every now and then. I get on a, a few of the ones I've got. Um, no babies. Um, but yeah, I try to leave the riding to the, the riders for now. Um, I'm better off on the ground. Who is the, uh, I, I know one of these horses. What's, what's the most famous, uh, horse that you've been on? Um, let me see. So for me, it's probably not, um, well, I mean, obviously Aloha West is, is way up there. Big Dreamin' is one that I think uh, the world of, uh, I got to ride Lawyer Ron one time, <laughs> uh, which I just got to jog him, uh, cause he was way too tough for me, but, uh, that was probably, that was probably one of the most famous. I'm trying to think. Um, and then pretty much anything Wayne's got, because um, they, you know, he he's always had really good horses. So, um, and I, I some for Neil Howard, um, uh, Desert Ride. She's the one. She won the races up in uh, Woodbine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, not nothing. You know, no Curlins. But uh, I had, like I said, Lawyer Ron's probably the most recognizable besides Aloha West. Big Dreaming is a horse that I always liked. Uh, oh yes. Yeah, that uh, it seemed like a big old big old guy, right? He could run he on dirt or turf. Massive. He is. Yeah. He's probably. I mean, he's thirteen fifty on a good day. Like he's he's just such a huge, big, tall, broad, very strong horse that likes to stand on his hind legs and wave at everybody. 
Um, very, very nice horse. Really, really like that horse a lot. And, and the reason that that horse meant so much to me was when I was in Gulfstream working for McPeak, Catalano was still galloping his own horses and he was getting on Dreaming of Anna. And I was in love with that horse. I loved that filly so much. And I kept begging him, let me ride that filly. And he kept laughing at me. And he tried to get me to come work for him back then. And his enticement was, you can ride Dreaming of Anna. And (laughs) I was working for McPeak and we was, you know, doing pretty good. And I said, you know, I just, I don't want to leave it right now. I was like, I'm, yeah, because I try to be pretty loyal. I was like, everything's good right now. I'm, I'm good where I'm at. So I didn't go. But I really loved that filly, and I had a mare I tried to breed to Fast Anna, one of her babies, before he, before he died. Uh, she didn't take, so I was bummed out. I really wanted a baby that had something to do with dreaming of Anna. And when I was working for Wayne, uh, I'm, I'm getting a list of horses together that were going with me and, you know, were, that were shipping around to Churchill, and I come across Big Dreaming, and I'm like, Big Dreaming? And I looked at Bloodlines real quick, and I called Wayne, and I said, is he really coming here? And he said, <laughs> yeah. I said, I said, you know what that, I see, he said, I know, I know. He said, that's why I'm sending him to you. So it become a thing where even today he was like, yeah, I got your horse. So he, and I was like, which one? Because he either meant Manny Wall, Aloha West or Big Dreaming. And hmm. of course he unfortunately doesn't have Big Dreaming anymore, but, um, yeah, that horse, he was, he was a monster and it went so much to me just to be able to get on him just because of the backstory with his mom. Alan, uh, you, you have any questions for uh, for Lacey? Well, first and foremost, uh, you asked her where she's from. She said E-Town, which is about 20 minutes where I'm at right now, where I live. But I was thinking somewhere else because as soon as we started talking today, Lacey, I, you sound like someone famous to me, okay? Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, does you ever anybody told you like you sound something like somebody? Anybody? Um. <laughs> No, I don't. I can't recall. No, it's not. It's not completely there. But I hear twangs of it. CC, do you, does anybody ring a bell with you? Well, yeah, I've I've got two in mind. Okay, uh, Loretta Lynn would be one. Okay, and what else you got? Reba, you're getting there. Reba. That's it. Reba, boom. Huh? Reba. Well, okay. Reba McIntyre. So okay. Yes. Now that you say that, I will tell you. Uh, yes, I have been told that, but it was only when I was singing because me and my mom used to sing. I did a lot of talent shows, and every time there was a talent show, I sang Reba. So I have been actually told I still like Reba. Oh, hell's bells. You shouldn't have told me that then because we're <laughs> doing an audio podcast. Rip oh, out God. some fancy no for singing. me right now. No singing. Or whoever's in New England, uh, <laughs> Night's light, light, the lights went out in Georgia. Anything? Nothing? Um, no, I love all those songs, but I'm not singing. <laughs> so you have heard the Reba thing before, right? Yes, I've actually heard that. And so – uh, my dear husband uh, knew how much because my mom is passed. So that Reba means the world to me. Like I just, you know, and it's it's just such because I have a, a such communication or not communication, um, like connection with her through my mom. And he got me concert tickets where we were in front row seats to her concert. And I, I was like, because that was when I thought he was going to propose. And instead, he brings me concert tickets. And I was like, that's even better. <laughs> so, um <laughs> Yeah, it's, Reba is. Uh, yeah, she's a she's a firm staple in my life. It's it's uh, her music means a lot to me. So I had and I have been told that I have a lot of twang like her. And I actually have been told if if I ever did any Loretta Lynn impressions before. Um, so yeah, and I was in Florida when I got that. So really? yeah, because they they kept laughing at me um, because of my accent. Uh, so I tried to get rid of it down there and it, it didn't work because it doesn't matter where you go in Florida. If you have any twang at all, 
and they say, where are you from? I'm like, Kentucky. They're like, did you hear that? She said, Kentucky. I was like, yeah, I know. I I, like I, I, you are correct. And I don't think I have an accent, but I hear the same thing when I go down there. Yep. <laughs> but that is great. I, I, I wanted to ask you, and I'm glad to know that I caught that because I don't hear it completely, <laughs> but there are times you're saying that like, that's, that's Reba. It's like, we're talking. <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad I was on point on that. And you yep, mentioned you Florida. <clears throat> Because what people may not be aware is this is not your first stint as a trainer, right? right. You actually were a trainer back uh, – for people who don't know how to do a podcast, a horse racing podcast, Equibase is your friend, right, CC? You know, you look up people's stats. It's all there for you. You don't do a whole lot of research, you know. And so I was on Equibase, and I think like 2000 – I'm going to say 2012, 2013, you – you were down in Gulfstream, and you had a couple of winners down there. Were you stable at Gulfstream for a little while? I was. I was. I had – I think I had a stable of – I don't remember now. It was like 10, 10 or 11 horses. Um, I think I made – I did pretty good down there, and I absolutely love Gulfstream. I tried to make it back this year, but the owners kind of wanted to stick around Kentucky, and I, I was trying to make sure they understood there was snow here um, because <laughs> I hate the snow. That is my four-letter cuss word of an S word. It's Preach. hate it. Preach. So I I did everything I could to get to Gulfstream, and the owners ultimately kind of made the decision, um, which, of course, the husband was happy with that. But uh, I wasn't so much. I was like, um, I have to bundle up. I don't like having to bundle up. But, um, yeah, I, I did pretty good down there. I think, like I said, I think I had 12 starts and three, four wins. I had a good percentage down there, and I hit the board several times. I had a I had a horse that I actually have on the farm now. He's one of my ponies named Political Agenda, mm-hmm. and he was – that horse, um, I actually followed him after he left because uh, the owners moved him to another trainer. To, they wanted to run at Mountaineer, and I, I kind of chased him down, um, and I got him back. And the amount of people that wanted to know what my secret was with that horse because he ran really good for me, but every time somebody – because he went through – he pro, I think he went through five other barns after he left me, and – no one could get him to even, I mean, he was, it was awful. Like he ended up running for $4,500 at Charlestown with Gary Almanetti and, uh, called him and, you know, I was like, I'd kind of, I'd kind of like a, uh, uh, if you're not too busy, I'd like to talk to you about maybe buying that horse. And he said, I don't think the owners want to sell it. Well, the owner actually called me and asked me if I would want to train him. And I said, absolutely. So I got him back up to a starter allowance at, fairgrounds um from a 4500 claiming race at you know charlestown so Impressive. i did pretty good with him and that horse literally i did not do anything but i loved the horse like you know i really took really good care of him you sang to him i yeah, know what I you did, did. Oh, you know, know you know what i did i actually did uh because uh, he was very difficult to handle on the racetrack like he was he was a wild animal and um I watched so many people get pitched off of him, and I'm sitting here thinking, my worker's comp is going to go through the roof. <laughs> I said, I would rather me figure out what's wrong with him. So I got on him, and he was a kitten. And I'm like, okay. So, but I, you know, I'm talking to him, singing to him, and he was, he was beautiful. He, he went perfect every day. But there was a time I got sick and lost my voice, and he was not easy for that week. But, um, yeah, he was, he was something, he was something that's pretty important to me. So, uh, he ended up getting injured and the owner, you know, he, he was wanting to know what to do with him. I said, well, I got a trailer on the way. It's going to my house. I said, I'm, I'm keeping him. And cool. he agreed that was a good thing. So he's, uh, he'll, he'll retire here on the farm and he'll never leave. This will, this is his home. So I've got several of them, unfortunately, like that. 
Um, but some people call them feed bills. I call them pets. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, I did, I did. He, he was my, my big horse that I had at Gulfstream. So he meant a lot to me. He wanted Churchill too, cause I was looking it up. And one yes. of the reason I'm asking about him, he wanted Churchill and he had Calvin Burrell on him that day. And I, and I read the trip notes yep. and it sounded like it was a classic Calvin Burrell ride where he gets <laughs> out of the gate, goes up the rail, saves every ground on that statuesque. Yep pose that he had wherever you can tell the horse is relaxing and it's the Calvin Braille trip all the way around. Oh yeah. Um, that's the way it went, right? Yep. And that was yep. on Thurby. That so, was on Thurby. Whoa. That yep. even extra special. Oh yeah. And, and it's, what's Calvin like? Was he, I mean, did you know him very well? I did. Well, back then I did. Um, I haven't talked to him in several years now, but he got off that horse. Of course, you know, Calvin always smiling. He gave me a big hug. Um, and he told me, he said, he said, you got a special horse here. And I mean, I knew he wasn't no, he's not a stakes horse, but for he me. He was a special horse to you, right? Yes, he was a he very was special right. horse. He, yeah, he was absolutely right. And I asked him, I said, I said, how willing was he? And he looked at me, he said, I just sit there. I was like, wow. I mean, cause, cause I knew he was capable of things like that just because, you know, when I had him at Gulfstream, that's, he was, he was known for breaking from the gate and just going straight to the front. And, uh, it would always scare me cause I'm like, Oh God. Cause you know, every time he would run on the turf, I'm like, well, he won turf, poly and dirt. Like he was, he also won short and long. Like he was such a versatile horse and you know, it just, he was very special to me. So, but yeah, Calvin, Calvin really liked him. Um, but there was a lot of riders that really liked that horse, but he was just not. He was just not the horse that everybody got along with. So mm-hmm. Calvin, Calvin and him really got along well. So I was, I was really happy to have him ride that day. And, you know, that was a big year for Calvin too. Like he was, he, that's, you know, he was really doing good. So I was really happy to have him on a horse for me. So, oh, yeah. and I was extremely happy that he didn't get claimed that day because I had two or three people telling me, they're like, we're looking at your horse. I said, Oh God. Please, so, please no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, when they told me that we're walking over to the race, it's not like I could turn around and scratch. I was like, yeah. Oh God, please don't take my horse. But, um, they didn't. So I was, I was pretty happy. He did go to Hawthorne, but, um, I sent him up there to Cody Rosine to run. Um, so his starts at Hawthorne were technically me, but, uh, I, I didn't go up there. Right. I just said, you know, I sent him up there. I was like, I said, you know, I don't even have a license up there. I said, just take him up there a week. I said, gallop him around there. And I said, uh, you know, see what happens. And of course he won those two, which, you know, and that was coming back off of, you know, running cheap at, at Charlestown. So when he started doing good, you know, I had a few people, they're, they're like, what, what are you doing to him? What's, what are you doing different? I said, this horse literally just likes me. I said, he, yeah. you know, he gets toy. Like I've had people tell me before that if they died and ever came back as a horse, they want to be a horse that's with me because I spoil them. They have salt blocks. I mean, the, the Himalayan salt blocks, they got toys on the rails, um, or on the uh, webbings. They got jolly balls, you know, I'm, I do whatever I can to give him some kind of enrichment because it's, it's a miserable life just sitting in a stall. So, you know, I try to make sure that they all know that they're cared for and, you know, kind of give them individual attention. So. <clears throat> you see, so, you know, uh, we mentioned a moment ago that this is like not your first as a trainer, right? There was a hiatus there in the middle where you was with Wayne and, and so, whatnot. So you had your first winter back in, from what I gathered, like 2008, 2009, and then there's, there's the big break. So I know that was exciting when you got the first one. But oh, now yeah. you fast, fast forward to this year, you get back in the training game, and you get your first winner on the rebreak, so to speak, at Indiana with a horse called Laura's Charm. So 
I, I guess what I'm curious about is which is which is more exciting, or is it equal? Is it the first win as your trainer, or is that that first win after after restarting after such a long hiatus? Is uh, it was one more special than the other? You know, I mean, yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, the first win was was extremely special. That was stake the gate, um, and that horse was it was such a fluke that you know I was able to get that horse because he was. I was I was actually dating the owner, um, but we were dating, and then he bought the horse. Um, and you know, I didn't know what he was buying. He just brings this horse in. He's like, "Can we train this?" I'm looking at him like I don't have a clue what this is. So I looked him up. I'm like, I don't think he had like thirty some starts for five thousand, and the best he ever did was third. I said, "Oh my lord!" And he's five. <laughs> so when we got him. The only race I think we could get that horse in was a 25,000 claimer and he run fifth, but only got beat a few lengths. I said, Oh my gosh. So, you know, he was, he kind of trained himself. We, we didn't do too much with him. He was an older horse. You know, he, you know, he had some issues, but as long as you didn't do much to him, he stayed sound. He was fine. And so that was, that was really special, but he actually that night he won. I retired him that night and sent him to uh, a home in Atlanta, Georgia. So that night he went to the farm. The very next morning he went to his new home. So went out um, of winter. Went out of yeah, winter. Exactly, and that's that's what I was doing. I was like, you know, this horse has earned it. Like he's he's a war horse. He's run a hundred thousand times. He he deserves it. So and he run his eyeballs out for me. So that was very special that night. But at the same time, with Laura's charm coming back, that was that was almost equally as special. I mean, I had the owners there that night, and I remember. When she breaks from the gate and she's sitting in the middle and I seen the 21 pop up, I uh-huh. grabbed the owner's arm. I said, because oh, it was a long race. I said, the speed's going to come back. I mean, I just knew it because they're going, there's a turf race going long. I mean, and the speed's going to come back. You can't go 21 and, and keep up there. I was like, the speed's going to come back. And when I seen her make her move, I got goosebumps. And, of course, coming down the wire, we were sitting way back by the 16th pole. So it looked like we were in second. So I was like, oh, that was good. And everybody's congratulating me. I'm like, no, we were in second. We were in second. And then I see it pop up on the board. I said, oh, I won. <laughs> so awesome. it was, you know, it's pretty. I, I think, I think my cheeks actually hurt because I smiled the entire drive home. So my cheeks hurt when I got home. So they, they were equally special, but maybe this one was a little bit more just because, you know, it guess. was, it was coming, coming back. It was like, okay, I can still get it done. So yeah, yeah, this one may be a little bit more special. Before I kick it back to CC, I think I may be beating him to the punch with this question, but I'm going to anyway. People that don't know, your husband is uh, Greg uh, Pierce, right? Who's on on Twitter as a Louisville fan. He's a he's a giant Louisville sports fan. I know he's in the background there somewhere right now. Right? Yeah. He is. He's a huge Louisville Cardinal fan, right? Yes. Do you share the same kind of uh, fandom that he does? Are you as big a Louisville Cardinal fan as he is? Um. Y- yes. Um. But more more of default because um, I'm married to him. Um, so yes, I I do I love the Cardinals and like I said, it's by default. So um, but yeah, he's he's probably a, a more gung ho than me. Um, I, I get more distracted than he does. But uh, yeah, we know if they play a bad game. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. it's. Um... I ask because right now there is actually a lot of Louisville Cardinal news going on. So I'm, I'm sure he's excited that you're on this podcast. He's going to listen, but he's trying to get a football coach, right? He's trying to get Kenny Payne rolling. So he's got right. a lot, 
he'd be a lot on his plate right now. Because I'm figuring he probably wants Jeff. He probably wants Jeff Brom, doesn't he? Yeah, he he's actually standing here now. Absolutely. (laughs) I heard you, Greg. (laughs) I figured that. Go ahead, CC. Yeah, I was going to bring the conversation around to Greg anyway. uh, Of course. Well, yeah, Greg is very opinionated. I like that. As a lot of people are on Twitter. So my question. I usually agree with him. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Yeah, ninety-nine percent of whatever he tweets, I usually agree with, but. My question, Lacey, does Greg give some instructions from the back every once in a while? I know he's knowledgeable about horses and, and racing and whatnot. Do, do you're getting any, uh, any, uh, opinions on, on what you need to do from Greg or, or whatnot? <laughs> um, uh, yes, a lot. And normally it's, uh, going, <laughs> you're not on the horse. You don't understand. And I will have to say there have been times I've been wrong. Um, I'm like, dang it. Maybe I should have listened to him. And which is shocking because it's like, you know, he's, he's the sports guy, but I'm the one with the hands on the horses, but there have been times that he actually is right and kind of wish I'd listened to him. But, uh, and he knows, he knows his stuff. He used to be, uh, married to Craig Pratt's daughter. So he knows oh. the ins and outs of horse racing. So, um, he's not on the racetrack, but he understands and he knows the racetrack. So everything works really well with us. Okay. Understood. So, uh, my last question, I, I know you've been spending a lot of winters in hot springs. Yes. At Oakland. Just curious, what what did you think about – I got to go to Hot Springs for the first time back at the end of March this year. I'm just curious, what, what did you like uh, spending your, your winters there? Was that was that cool with you? You know, I, I, there were times that uh, I kind of wished I wasn't there, maybe when we had the two feet of snow on the track. Um, mm. That was not fun. Um, it – I really did like it. The surrounding town, um, cause obviously I'm country. Um, the surrounding town was just very laid back, very country, very, you know, down to earth. The people there were very, very, very friendly. Um, the track was, you know, was good. Uh, a very clean facility. Um, sometime I wasn't excited about the way the track was. Um, you know, we, we, we lost a couple horses and it was, you know, the track condition kind of, got a little funky after it snowed on it and we had a really rough winter, but I think they got it back, you know, in pretty good standings after that. But as far as the, the overall experience, it was pretty good. I liked it. Um, it's a place that, you know, and I was just telling my husband, you know, if, if I'm going back this weekend, I said, you know, I said, it's a place that when you go there, I'll take care of the horse and I will force myself to relax because other than that, unless you like, football or the Razorbacks um, or you drink a lot or you do horse racing, there's literally nothing else there. Uh, you know, there's, there's just, you, you, it almost forces you to just relax. So, but I, I do like it. It was, uh, you know, a lot of mountainous, you know, hiking and, you know, it was, it was pretty good. I did like it. You prefer Hallandale, Florida, don't you? For the winter? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I, I knew the answer <laughs> to that. I, I would too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, I've been I, down there. Uh, it's nice. Oh yes. It's beautiful down there. I mean, I was down there several times. I went, uh, I think maybe four, uh, three or four, I don't remember, but twice with Kenny and then, okay, maybe it was only three, twice with Kenny and then once on my own. And I really did like it. Um, it depended on where you stayed. Uh, there were some areas, you know, just like every town, there's some areas that you avoid, but mm-hmm. most of the spots that I was at was actually pretty good. So, um, but yeah, I'm more of a, I like the beach and I like the, 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 you know, put a t-shirt on and wear it outside instead of having to bundle up. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's not as laid back. It's, you know, you got the hustle the town really never sleeps, but yeah, it's uh, I liked it a lot better 
it was just for me it was it was a, a lot more to do because uh, I liked well when I was in shape I like to run a lot but um, yeah I did like it better but to relax and just kind of take it easy Oak Lawn would be the place to go. Understood. So if you get this training thing going, I mean, it, eventually, would, do you just want to stay here in Kentucky year round, or, or would you go to Florida? Well, it's going to depend on uh, a lot of things because I have we've got a farm here that we've got a lot of horses at, um, uh-huh. and if I can if I can get some success working and and you know have a little bit of a better year, then I can hire some help to stay here and kind of help take care of the farm a little more and then it would open me up to be able to travel a little bit more for the winter um which was kind of a blessing in disguise to get to stay this year because i didn't you know i've got my nephews helping me here a little bit so it kind of kind of works out where i just you know give them you know a little money here every now and then and they help me out here but i can pretty much take care of here so i say pretty busy but like i said with a little bit of success and kind of getting some funds rolling a little better i'll hire somebody here and you know kind of open some doors for myself all right so uh i think we'll wrap it up here and of course uh lacy good luck on friday with robo man uh oh one more thing you said you had a horse at turfway on friday Who who's the horse on at, at well he's, he's running on sunday and it's isitude run on sunday obviously yeah the one that ran second Isitude. in the maiden special weight at yes. Churchill, right yes, yes he is he is and um we're actually going to give a shot to a rider that has helped me out a lot in the mornings. Um, and, you know, he's he doesn't get a lot of attention. Uh, he's he's a little bit on the greener side, but I think everybody's success has to start somewhere. And who is it? The Jonathan Kurtzinger. I knew what you were going to say. Well, we wish him the right. best of luck. I tell yes. you that. Yes. Are you going to be riding your horse? He will be riding Isitude um, on Sunday. And, you know, I told the owner, I said, because this horse, Isitude, he, he almost died so many times when he was younger, he got bit by a brown recluse. And it was he was in bad shape. They almost put him down a couple of times. So the even fact that he is able to run is is a miracle. But you know, I told the owner, I said, if he wins on this horse, we've got a Hallmark movie in the making. <laughs> so <laughs> um, yeah, so that's he will be running on Sunday, and you know, fingers crossed there, and just really hope he pulls it off. And not just for me and the owner, but for Jonathan too. I know it would mean the world to him just get his first win. So. But uh, awesome. That's hopefully awesome. it works out. Same sire as Rich Strike, right? King yes. Ice? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. And he has got the same temperament. So, Rich Strike liked Turfway an awful lot. Rich Strike he, liked Turfway. You know, you know he did. Thing. And that's what I'm hoping with this guy because, I mean, this horse is just – he's just raw talent. I really love this horse. Um, he is um, very difficult to work with, but he's he's got the talent to do it. Um, the last few starts were just kind of – I, I don't know. This didn't work out very well for him, but uh, he's he's doing amazing right now. So I'm really really hopeful for this weekend. Okay, cool. perfect. So yeah, looking forward to Roll Man on Friday at Oakland and Isitude on Sunday at Turfway. So yeah, yeah. got something got something to watch this weekend besides football. Yep. So, perfect. <laughs> and one last one last thing before we let her go. One last RITC. Is there any chance we can get you to hum a few bars of Mind Drone Business or Does He Love You or? <laughs> If you see him, see or if you if you see her, you, n- none of that. Maybe on the backside, maybe. No, maybe, maybe no, I don't think bars. so. No, I have a sinus infection, so it's not going to sound as good. So okay, probably all right. not. <laughs> all right, well let's uh, we uh, karaoke in the future. All right, karaoke sounds, in the future sounds like a plan. 
All right, Lacey. We appreciate Lacey. Yeah, we, we, we greatly appreciate you joining us, taking your time, taking time from your evening to, to talk to us. And, uh, we wish you the very best going forward and, and we will root for every single horse that you have. Damn well, straight, I do appreciate it. All right. That's Thanks, Lacey. Lacey Pierce. Thank you, Lacey. Thank you. All right. Lacey was fantastic. Yeah, uh, I wish we could. Uh, some of the stuff we we talked about off air would have been great to put on here. Wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, we, no, no, that was no. bad. I tell you what, she we we were talking about her that maybe she should have her own podcast, or maybe even she comes help us out once in a while. She was that good, and maybe we'll get some of those other stories that she has. But anyway, yeah, Lacey is great, and she's gonna win a lot of races. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind. I think it's just the beginning for her uh, reemergence, and we look forward to seeing Lacey Pierce at the track and in the winter circle. Can you imagine that would be such a a must listen if you could get like five or six race trackers around that that were really good talkers like Lacey. Yeah, and, I mean, I think I told you we could do a, a female one. Uh, you get you, uh, Sarah, Sarah Hamilton, Farron Peterson. You could get Lacey, Chelsea, uh, Moisey. Chelsea, Chelsea, Moisey. Definitely, you, you just I mean, get them to tell stories. Yeah. It's like it, yeah, it would be hilarious. So. And you get to hear from a different perspective than some of the from a. Uh, from the male point of view all the time that we're here, like older male, you know, and that's, I mean, we're older males. We're, we're all fine with that, but I think it'd be, I think it'd be great. And I think they're, they'd all be really good. I know, I know Lacey would, it would be fun. It would be fun. Yes. No racing on Saturday at Turfway, but fairgrounds but, is racing. I haven't got a chance to pay a lot of attention to that yet, but I'm going to. Cause no, I'm not, I know. I think Ray Lou's kind of dominating down there. Ray Lou Gutierrez, uh, but uh, racing Joe resumes. Sunday. We're going Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then skip Saturday and then go to Sunday. For and Turkey. we discovered why they're skipping Saturday, the Sarah Evans concert there, which they're throwing out. Sarah party. Evans concert. And she's, yeah, uh, she, yeah, I always yeah. liked her back in the 90s. Uh, I know I'm a bit of a music aficionado, and she was always good. So I wish I was there. But, you know, I'll probably got other things going on. All right. Last subject we're going to touch. Julia Shining won the Demoiselle. Yes. I'm, I'm mixed. I have mixed reviews. It was a... Uh, she was the darling of Twitter there for several hours, it seemed, uh, until the buyer came back at 70. <laughs> I don't know what to think of this, Philly. I want your opinion. Uh, she raced near the back of the pack on a sloppy track and it looked like she was going to finish last, tipped out about 4,000 wide coming off the far turn and then rallied to, to win late. Your thoughts on Julia shining, then I'll show you what, what I think. I don't watch a lot of Aqueduct. You had to remind me that the race was on because, you know, I've, I've made it clear I'm a I'm a circuit guy with a little fairgrounds, a little Florida mixed in. But so I did watch the race. Uh, I am not a fan of horses stretching out, particularly at that age, two years old. Winning at seven furlongs is already tough at two years old. And when she did it on debut, and she looked good doing it, and the, the horse she beat came back to win. But doing that mile and eight thing that they do in the Rems and Demoiselle, I'm not big about a horse going one turn to a mile and eighth at two years old. I, I don't, I'm not big on it in general. It, everything's circumstantial, right? But, I mean, that that's a tall ask. I'm not really I, – I, that's why people go against these horses when they come back. Well, at least in the rims, and they always go back in the spring because, you know, people get all keyed up because the horse already running a mile and eighth. Yeah, but they did it at two, and it could take – so I, I would have been against Julia Shining. Not that, not that I don't believe the horse has talent. I just I kind of felt like it might have been a one-turn horse. I'll give her credit for winning the race. I was not impressed because she was under a drive for like, God, half a mile. And didn't, they were scrubbing on her for a long time. The race may have just kind of, you know, they, the horse may have just simply stopped in front of her. 
for her to win the race because they are going a mile and eight. So and it was sloppy. I think one of the horses missed the break too. I think the rail horse missed the break. So I get the 70 buyer or speed fig, whatever it was. So I, she deserves credit for getting it done, for showing the tenacity to, to, to gut that out at nine furlongs. But I don't think there's anything special there. Maybe at one turn there might be. What about you? Yeah, I think that race fell apart. I mean, for to allow her to win. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, she's going to have all the hype in the world. So, I mean, yeah, let her prove it. But she's a full sister to Malathot. Malathot won the same race, as I recall. Yeah. And, but, and she was, you know, she, she got up late, looked like she was going to lose. So, I mean, it's pretty eerily similar to that effort. But yeah, I don't, uh, I, she's going to show me more going she forward. She more. can't do it. She won. I mean, we also, again, there's nothing's absolute here, right? Uh, this isn't like, you know, a moment gut, you know, automatic reactions on, on Twitter as after, after the thing comes up. There's no absolutes. She ground, she grinded the win out at nine for long. She deserves a lot of credit for that. Does she have the turn of foot? Lots of horses don't have turn of, the longer they go, they don't have turn of foot. It's about staying. So I, I don't know. I, like I said, it's a mixed bag. I'm leaning kind of against going forward, but I mean, who, who knows what the next year brings? Who would you rather have nine furlongs first Saturday, first Friday in May? Would you rather have Julia Shining or would you rather have Hoosier Philly? Oh, Hoosier Philly. Hoosier Philly. Hoosier Philly's been doing it effortlessly. He's done, has won twice at two turns. And there was never any, and I don't think she'd be great fields, but there was never any doubt. It was push button. It was, it was a kind of a gliding effort. Uh, I think it was at a mile and 16th. I don't see what, mile and 8th would have been no problem. We'll see going forward. Anything can happen in the next five, six months, but I would definitively want Hoosier Philly. I just like the way she's been doing it. It's, it, she's been doing it when the rider asks. When the rider asks, it's go. Uh, Julia Shining, that was a fight. The jock, uh, I can't remember who wrote her. The jock, that was a, the jock was fighting her, imploring her to, to show her talent. Now the light may come on for her next year, right? But at, right now I'd probably want Hoosier Philly, wouldn't you? What about Justique? Justika is a filly I'm kind of interested in. She she broke her maiden yeah. dead last and just whooshed by a, a field at Del Mar. In her, I in like her I like her a lot. I think but the that, numbers that, will be low on her, right? That buyer came back really low. She came back at two turns. I think they sent her off two to five, three to five, and she was nowhere to be found. It's been, what, I think she may have got a third in the uh, the uh, two-year-old filly stake at Santa Anita. But then she came back to win it, I think, at seven furlongs recently. Yeah. But that's, again, I'm a big one-turn, two-turn person. And she may have, she may be that definitive seven furlong closing sprinter. She may stretch out. I don't know. I, I, I would take Justique over, uh, Julia Shining right now because I believe when she's, when she's turned it on, she has turned it on those two wins, right? It's just yes. been eye catching. So, but then Julia Shining yes. is too. So, so it's, it's got to be about two turns of me. I've got to be able to see a kick at two turns. So we'll see. It, sometimes it doesn't translate. Well, we don't need to talk about it. Lacey got us covered. We don't talk about anything else. Yeah, you, good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's end it on a high note. So on behalf of Alan Schneider, the aforementioned Brandon Jaggers, who's under the weather, we wish you well. We're praying. And of course, Lacey Pierce. This is CC Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.